we talk so much on the For the Love of Sports podcast about the power of connections and skill sets. So we're teaming up with Aquia Sports Group International to deliver two high-level mentorship programs. The 12-month sports business program will help you craft innovative partnerships and improve selling strategies. And for our newcomers to the sports world, we have a three-month sports business new grad program where you will gain skills to become an integral part of your team. Best news, both programs include monthly video meetups, digital worksheets, exclusive industry interviews, and real case studies. Let's come back from the shutdown even stronger. So head over to aqueous.co.com. That's www.aqueous.co for more information and to get on the wait list. Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil, and my guest today is Matthew Gutnick. He's the Senior Director of Sports and Entertainment at APM Music. Matthew loves sports, he loves music, and he found a way to combine the two and love every day of his life. Matthew is such an awesome dude. I had such a blast getting to talk with him, chat with him, understand what he's doing, how he's doing it, but more importantly, really just understanding the world, understanding his life, understanding that music and sports space and how he's been able to find the inter- intersection of it to really enjoy what he does was an absolute blast. So without further ado, here is Matthew Gutnick. Today, I'm for the love of sports. I have Matthew Goodnick, Senior Director of Sports and Entertainment at APM Music. Matthew, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well. I just got a notification. I guess we are not streaming live to LinkedIn. That's a drag, but hey, it is what it is. Not that big a deal. Uh, so, Matt, first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Where do I start? Um, well, what, number one like uh, we were quickly discussing before is that t-shirt. I guess that's kind of where it begins. Um, From my father being a big giant fan growing up, uh, the Knicks, the Rangers, everything uh, in the metropolitan area in New Jersey area where I grew up. And then um, always being a fan of two things, uh, sports and music growing up. Uh, Playing drums since I've been 12 years old and always obsessed with the music business. And lucky enough, and I try to remind myself, even on a bad day, that I'm doing two things, dealing with two things I love, music and sports. It could be way worse, man. It could be way worse. So you bring up drums, and you didn't tell me about that before, so I have to ask a couple questions there. I mean, what uh, what, what, what style? What do, you, what do you like to play? Are you a, um, are you a Neil Peart kind of guy? Are you a John um, Bonham kind of guy? Where, where are we sitting? If I was on the scale from, from Bonham to Peart, I'd definitely be on the Bonham side. Or even more specifically, the Zigaboo Modalese funk side from the meters, being that uh, went to school at Tulane University in New Orleans, soaked up a lot there, uh, inside and outside the classroom. But uh, yeah, funk, rock, and pretty much everything in between. But yeah, rest in peace, Neil Part. Yeah, yeah. Only a couple months ago. I mean, this year has felt like it's been four years long. So it's it's crazy to think that it was only a few months ago at this point. But that is interesting. And you still you still play the drums, right? You haven't given that up? 
Yeah, it's funny. I've actually done some neighborhood COVID jamming with people on our street, which has been so much fun with guy across the street that plays bass and his daughter that plays keyboards or the girl down the street with guitar. And uh, again, under given normal circumstances, you know, um, something like that would never happen. We've done it a couple times and it's been great for my two young kids to see me play and just have a blast. It's It's been great. Look at that. I mean, it's obviously weird times we're living in, but if we can turn it into something cool like that, and then once uh, everything, all these restrictions get lifted, it sounds like you guys got a pretty sweet band to play at that block party you got going on. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens, man. I do love it. But I, I, I really just, I enjoy that you do live in this intersection of business uh, in sports and business and music and entertainment because so many people love business, so many people love sports, so many people love music, and you've been able to figure out a way to live right there you know that the four corners those states out somewhere out in the southwest i can't remember them all off the top of my head but you live right there in the smack dab of it and how how have you seen and how have you enjoyed this connection between music and sports before we get to apm on a personal level what have you really enjoyed about that connection of these two i mean that venn diagram that's a cool center spot you got there right on that one no i i appreciate that and i've thought about it a lot and hopefully I can articulate it in somewhat of an intelligible professional way within the absence of it. So I've thought about it um, in seeing, as you're starting to see now is, you know, football's back, college football seems like it's getting closer. The announcement from NHL yesterday, NBA coming into focus in, in Florida at uh, Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, I always get them confused, but everything's getting closer and the glue between lots of dif different industries, whether it's hospitality, uh, you know, travel, um, anything. But the way that I see it is that sports, besides music, or I always joke religion, if you can fit it in, provides a very tribal anthropological group mind experience that is live and where else can you find that? So maybe maybe that's been the attraction of both sports and music to me and i never was fully aware of that but whether um i'm at tipitina's in new orleans uh seeing the meters or at metlife seeing the giants to be part there and have instantaneous memories created and everyone say oh do you remember that or watching youtube videos of lt with my son um and remember being his age and watching him you know, get 20 plus sacks in that 86 season on the way to the Super Bowl championship. You know, you you remember exactly where you are, who you were with and what you were doing, whether you were there watching it live, watching it on TV or now streaming or what have you. It feels it feels like I said, this this kind of primal need that maybe only people are beginning to become aware of, even myself included, with the absence of sports. I think you, you make a great point. The absence of these things we're not going to be able to go to a concert i mean you guys have been having concerts in your in your front lawns or in your driveways it seems like in your block so maybe that's a place uh my girlfriend and i will start looking when we are looking to buy a house but no it, it's it's so interesting as we kind of took it for granted right there's two days in the sports calendar where there's no sports the day before and after the mlb all-star game you know it's just crazy to me to think now we're we're growing up close to 100 days i think at this point and it's it's weird. Those first few weeks, all I did was, you know, me and my buddies on Fridays and Saturdays. Obviously, we were not none of us could leave the house, especially those first two months. We'd sit down, we'd all hop on a Zoom call and 
all right, you know, what college football game are we watching tonight, guys? And, you know, we'd watch the four hour long, just a straight broadcast. We'd kind of have a couple beers, hang out, BS, but we'd watch these games we haven't seen in a while. And now, you know, we haven't done that as much. Now the weather's getting a little bit nicer. We can go outside at least, but it's just so weird not, you know, especially Memorial Day weekend's a big one. I'm a very big baseball fan. I'm a Mets fan, so I don't know why, but I'm a huge baseball fan. So, Memorial Day weekend is always like that first marker of the season. Like, where's everyone standing? How's it looking? We're like 50, maybe 60 games, you know, depending on where it falls in the calendar, how far we are along. And it was just so weird. Not, you know, Memorial Day, one o'clock on a Monday, just, you know, walk inside at the picnic. Oh, you see how, how the Mets doing, how they're losing, whatever. This is cool. Kind of go on. And I think you make a really interesting point where in the absence of it, we're starting to realize how much more important it was to us as as people, but as a society. I think that's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it seems that sports might be coming back even before live music. Um, yeah. I think you won't see a GA uh, general admission, you know, small show for quite some time, which is unfortunate. And I'm a big live music concert guy. I always have been, you know, since I was young, even before Tulane and Jazz Fest. But, um, you know, people are missing it. And it's interesting to see a lot of people doing live streams. You know, not quite the same experience like me and you uh, sitting down for lunch, but, you know, um, we'll make do with what we've got and make the best of it while we can. Exactly. I've seen I've watched a couple of them. They've been fun. I appreciate what the artists are doing and how they're doing it. But it, of course, there's not it's not quite the same. You know, it's just not quite the same. And I've been to Jazz Fest. Jazz Fest is insane. Uh, just the whole the whole rigmarole there it was just an absolute blast. So uh, hopefully next year we can get back there. You and I will be down there. I don't know who will be on the list, who will be on the uh, the, uh, the 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 heck's the word I'm looking for. I don't even know. On Thank you. Oh my I'll goodness! Get, I'll get the soft show crab uh, po' boy stand. We'll let's, there. let's go! I love it. That's good stuff. And so you've been working in this music-ish space, this the rental leasing kind of media multimedia space for about twenty years now. And so what you know again that that connection between sports and music it it took till you got to APM if I'm not mistaken for those two re- to really collide. But what is the what was the first part of your career like? working at a few different places, still working in this space, was there a direct vision of moving forward or where you were looking to go? Or was this just, hey, I love music and I want to kind of hang out here as long as I can? Um, I'd say kind of if it was a multiple choice question, it would probably be C. <laughs> I wish I could say it was a fully calculated move and it's wild to talk to um, you know, uh, kids from Tulane now calling me or different college kids that might have been working in different um, athletic programs that we work with and getting my career advice, which is a trip, or I'm um, going to be on a uh, Berkeley School of Music call tomorrow, or I've spoken at NYU, and it's wild being the kid that was asleep in the back row of the class. I wish I could say, you know, I had a, I had a strict vision. I knew exactly what I was doing, you know, 25 plus years ago at Tulane, but that's not been the case. Um, I grew up kind of assuming I was going to be on Wall Street like my father. I liked the perks. I liked the lifestyle. wasn't that interested in the product. I kind of followed my heart for a long time. I did the dot-com thing because, you know, I was alive in the 90s and you kind of had to do that at some point. But always, point being, wanted to be in the music business, whatever it was, whether it was on the concert side, whether it was on the production side, and then uh, essentially falling into the licensing side, which I didn't even know. And what... um, you know, what the synchronization rights or uh, production music was. So kind of essentially started my career over at 28, um, 
people were uh, getting married and having kids and buying houses. And um, I was starting my career over um, many moons ago and getting into copyright and licensing and worked my way up from a couple different other shops up to APM Music. And there wasn't even a sports division at that time. And um, over the course of time, kind of seeing what we were doing on the broadcast side, seeing what we're doing on the cable side and looking as an extension of um, the successes that we were having there is looking how different teams worked with different leagues or work with different broadcasters and then creating a bundle of rights that would work for those teams at that time, maybe doing coaches shows or doing some board production, which of course isn't as robust as it uh, is now. And then maybe a little radio commercials here and there, like, you know, different disparate pieces of content. And then 2014, we did our first league deal with the NFL with a social platform that doesn't even exist right now called NFL Now, which was really the beginnings um, where other leagues like the NBA had a much more of a head start on the social media side. And now, um, you know, I was just talking with several teams this morning of how their entire content department has been organized compared to different siloed sections. It's one department creating content no matter where it needs to go to which platform or respective of which particular right that we're granting them for use of our music. That is... That is something, man. And I just think it's so cool how you've been able, as you said, you got there and there wasn't even a sports division. They're just kind of some of these deals sprinkled in. And then eventually you have these fine, these bigger deals and you're able to start to distribute what you do and how you do it. And so I do want to take a step back. So you said you fell into licensing again, you were willing to do it. Sounds like whatever possible within the music industry to just kind of stay there. What exactly is falling into licensing in, 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 uh, in Matt's terms, I guess. Um, Applying to a lot of different jobs, pretty much what you said. You know, I wasn't even really aware of synchronization or copyrights or any of those terms and um, interviewed for a job. Didn't, you know, kind of understood it, didn't really understood it, uh, understand it, excuse me, willing to make the sacrifices that I need to to learn the industry to get in. I think that was my biggest challenge was getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, where some people, were thought I was nuts at that age to uh, be taking a salary, what someone maybe in college would have been making. But it was kind of like a um, passionate, uh, like a passion in me that wasn't going to be satiated or satisfied until I kind of did it. And that's really what keeps me going. And um, there's a saying that my wife gave me a long time ago. It's not about, Life isn't about finding yourself. It's actually right up on the wall. Um, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And I just kept going at it and just kept building it. Now I've got a great team that helps me do that. And um, as she calls it, I can live in this fantasy world. <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, you know, I can come and talk to people like you about uh, this fantasy world, which I can't wait to get back into and see people. I think that's one of the big things. Like I usually would be in Atlanta this week for sports video groups, college summit, and the party might be tonight that we would usually do and uh, go right near the college football hall of fame and seeing everyone from all our collegiate clients and we're not there. So I'm missing that, that tribe and I'm missing uh, in July, I'm supposed to be in Nashville for all the in-stadium people. And we're not going to be there. 
um, not going to be there. I know we talked briefly about um, all these different meetups that we were doing with this amazing sports Slack group that I'm part of all over the country. Um, I miss seeing people and, you know, uh, Zooms are great and go-to meetings are great, but it's not, it's not quite the same. It's not the same. There's that face-to-face, there's that in-person interaction that you're only going to get in person. And it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, Hey, make, make do, do the best you can keep it going. And it is unfortunate that you can't go to some of these things that you do really look forward to, as you said, and as your wife said, this fantasy world, this fantasy land that you're a part of, and you've almost created for yourself as, as the quote says, I wasn't sure if you were looking at her and she was mouthing it to you, but as you said, it's right up on the wall there. Yeah. It's a little, little vision board right there with some good stuff on it. That is fantastic. And I think again, you know, you make a really good point about, you know, taking that salary decrease too. I mean, I have friends, you know, I'm 28, so I'm right where, you know, you might've been give or take uh, along the way. And I would be willing to take a reduce in salary if it was to get into or start doing something that I truly did love because 28, it was funny, you know, at like 12, I remember when 21 was like, whoa, that person's old. And now I'm 28. I'm just like, wait, like, I still have another, like, I don't know, like 50, 60 years to go. I have two times what I've already lived. And I don't even really remember the seven years, the first seven years that much anyway. So, I mean, I still have so much. Do something you want to do. I have friends, unfortunately, that, you know, they make a boatload of money and they they like that aspect of it, but they hate their job so much. And there's only one place to continue to go is deeper and deeper because they continue needing to make that money. So it's, you know, kudos to you for, for seeing that. And, you know, hopefully you're doing pretty well for yourself now as well. And, you know, what everything you guys are doing. So I think that part's pretty important, but with that, I mean, I guess, you know, let's talk about this fantasy land. Let's talk about this fantasy world a little bit more with, with APM and, and what you're doing and how you've been able to create it. So what exactly you kind of, you know, explained it, you know, sparingly a little bit. Give us, I guess, the elevator pitch. Give us the mission. What exactly does APM Music do? So APM Music is the largest production music catalog in North America. We're half owned by Universal Music Publishing and half owned by Sony ATV slash EMI. So essentially two of the largest music publishers in the world were co-owned by, and we provide production music for everything from sports to movies, to advertising, video games. I mean, pretty much any kind of production element um, that there is background music, um, we're there. And uh, the simplest way that I try to explain it, if I was talking to someone's aunt or someone's friend or whoever, is do you know the Monday Night Football? I go, that's us. That's what we do. Um, That's one of our songs. And everyone seems to kind of know that or like a little bit before your time, but people know like People's Court back in the day. Like that's a library music track and you would never know that. And it's interesting because music is so important and sets the tone and is somewhat emotionally manipulative when used very well. Like there's been such great commentary on last dance. The music in that was fantastic. We're lucky enough to get some music in there, but the music just elevated the story so much and just carried it along and um, created some really amazing moments. And again, very grateful that we are part of that. Yeah. And the last dance was great. I mean, I've been talking about it for the last few weeks. Obviously, it's been the only thing we've all really been able to watch, uh, you know, once a week. Unfortunately, it is over, but I did enjoy watching it. And so how, you know, as you said, in 2014, if I'm not mistaken, you said is when you guys had your first big league deal. 
prior to that, you were already at APM for a few years. So what what were you doing outside of the sports space before we dive into what you're doing now with the sports space? Yeah, so from the time that I started, it was very diverse. At that time, everyone was doing a little bit of something. You know, I was doing reality TV. I did, I think, over 20 seasons of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, which was awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, the great production company um, in Colorado and Denver and just – great people, just so much fun, but it could be uh, corporate internal projects. It could be advertising. It could be, you know, digital new media at that time, which was just starting to poke up, but, you know, managing HBO, um, you know, Turner at that time, a lot of different broadcasters and cable properties, but we weren't um, necessarily vertically integrated at that time. And then over the course of time, when we were looking again at what the broadcasters and the cable entities were doing, we were looking at their content partners. I was looking at their content partners and um, kind of in a Darwinian way of evolution, we started looking at how people were feeding content into these entities, you know, the distributors now at this point and how that worked. And then also um, essentially just from listening to clients of, you know, that's how I found out about Sports Video Group from some of my college clients in like South Carolina, where I was up in Toronto uh, visiting the Blue Jays and they were saying, oh, you got to go to this idea conference. And I said, what's that? So kind of just, again, following the tribe, following the pack and seeing where people were going and where are these discussions. So that idea conference, for example, um, during that period, Michael, that you were talking about when there are no sports, Mm -hmm. That's where this conference is because that's the one time that everyone can get together where it started off the the folklore fireside chat was about a bunch of guys at mlb many moons ago that weren't hosting that needed to get together to blow off some steam and get together and drink a bunch of beer and trade stories trade ideas that's how that conference started and um that's an amazing conference not taking anything away from any other ones, but that one's pretty neat because that rotates cities. So Kansas City, Montreal, Seattle, we were in San Diego last year. We we're supposed to be in Nashville, which I was so much looking forward to. Um, but fascinating to see the stadiums, see the cities, see the control rooms, see the teams and go to different breakout groups and panels to understand like the music one is actually tomorrow. Um, which we're, we're going to be kind of hanging in the background to answer questions. But it's interesting to see now from a um, you know, physical focus to virtual focus of how that's possible. But to answer your question again specifically, it was very diversified. It was doing a little bit of everything and then eventually saw an opportunity in sports and then started going after that and building, building our business there. And building that fantasy land, because as you said, it didn't really exist. I'm going to keep using fantasy land throughout this conversation. Once you said it, I, I'm hooked. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not that good at this yet. So I get something I'm going to run with it as long as I can. But with, um, you know, with that, I mean, I think it's really cool. You know, shout out to APM that they allowed you to pursue this endeavor, right? Like there's, they could have easily said like, no, nah, we're, we're good. We have enough stuff. I mean, you're always looking for new clients, but why would you look for it in, over there in that area? And, you know, shout out to them for essentially allowing you, I guess, if I may say that, that, you know, hey, you, you see this opportunity, go for it. Yeah, we'll pay, pay for your plane ticket to Seattle, to Nashville, wherever you're going. As long as you bring back business, we don't care. Um, to the point where you've been able to build out an entire sports and entertainment division now. So just kind of with that, the Monday Night Football theme song, dun, 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 I feel like that's been around for a very long time. Um, so 
give me some of the background and the processes. Was that, did you guys always have that contract with Monday Night Football? Was there another company that owned that? Like, how does that work? Because I feel like that's been the theme song my whole life. I could be wrong. It could be only the last five years. So how does that aspect of it work a little bit? Great question and funny you should ask because oh. one of the projects that we're working on right now is to really tell uh, the definitive story, um, which one of our mutual friends contributed to. Big shout out to Todd. What's up, uh, Todd? So it's interesting because a lot of people would think, oh, well, ESPN owns that song. They do not. A lot of people would think NFL owns that song. They do not. Um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, someone probably at that time picked up a album of a British production music catalog called KPM um, from London and probably put the phonograph uh, needle on the record and heard this song that had been used overseas for, for different sports applications, different theme music and said, oh, wow, I really like that track, you know, before CDs, before search engines, before websites. And then, um, you know, the, the rest is history per se. And it's been an amazing journey with the, ESPN music department to not only work with that master track, but create now over 20 different custom versions. Um, Abbey Road uh, Studios with over 70, 80 piece orchestra, hip hop versions, uh, Siberian, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, like kind of Christmas holiday version. Um, uh, so much fun. And, and I feel a certain responsibility with that copyright and the NFL films track, which, uh, all that amazing, complete visceral music, which I think really was the beginning, in my opinion, of sports music, where uh, may may Ed and Steve Sobel rest in peace from uh, NFL films. But you can literally, in my opinion, um, strong opinion, could close your eyes and listen to John Facenda, the, the, the narrator of those early NFL films, and listen to that music. And it's a completely total visceral music. So point being, we are now telling these stories about these amazing pieces of music, which, um, again, believe that were the beginnings and set the high bar for sports music. And now, um, you know, hip hop, uh, you know, dramatic orchestral uh, rock, everything in between. It's been fascinating to hear where, say, hockey might be very heavy metal or rock orientated not too long ago and using hip hop just like anyone else. Like things are not as obvious as they must have been with, uh, you know, global landscape, global athletes, diverse fan base, young, you know, young, medium and old, whatever you want to say. So it's really, it's really cool to provide, I've used the cliche, like the big box of crayons and provide that tool to all of our clients to help paint that picture that's in their head no matter where that application is, if it's on TV, if it's in the stadium, social media, where have you, um, you know, I'm not the guy, I'm the guy behind the guys, another one of the cliche jokes, but you know, it's, it's amazing to see what's possible. I think it's so cool that again, I didn't, I mean, honestly, I had no idea your company existed, right? As you said, you're the guy behind the guy and uh, just learning more about how, there's so much more to all these industries and things that go on. Yeah. I just assumed ESPN or NFL owned the Monday night theme song on ESPN. And then if I'm not mistaken, it was this year or last year. And I'm sure you guys had a huge hand in this, as you were alluding to, I remember, you know, the incredible Joe Tessitore getting amped up for those three yard runs. Let's go. He, you know, after they would come back from break, if they were in new Orleans, they'd have, you know, the, the, 
the three piece, you know, jazz band or whatever, maybe not three piece, but they'd have a jazz band play. And, and, you know, if they were in Detroit, it would be a little bit harder rock. And it, it was kind of cool when they were doing that, uh, when it was going around the city. So who's like, how do those ideas come about? And, you know, you owning the IP, it sounds like, how do you then go to, you know, find these artists, find, you know, go to ESPN and be like, Hey, we have an idea or they come to you and say, Hey, we think this would be kind of cool. How do those conversations happen? I wish I could take credit for that, but I'll, uh, again, big shout out to Claude Mitchell, Joanne Strange, and everybody in the music department up in Bristol. That That's that. You know, that's an extension of our deal where we're providing the rights to them. And then, yeah, one of them was in the subway. There was like a bunch of yeah. performers. Yeah, the New Orleans one was fantastic. Um, you know, I love it because I think it's it, it, it tips over to the point of popular culture. There was an amazing open which we have on our YouTube channel, um, which I'll make sure it gets visibility when the Monday night, uh, when the Monday night football or now will be known as its proper name. Heavy action is the proper name of the track. Yeah, that's the name. That's awesome. Uh, Why have we not been using that this whole time? Well, well, I mean, because some people don't know that, but that's just part of my, uh, my reeducation process to the marketplace, but we're going to do, we're going to put that story out, you know, um, opening weekend, God willing, uh, come September, but, um, you know, it's, um, it crosses over into popular culture. Peter Berg, the director, you know, I believe he did Friday Night Lights and he did a bunch of other stuff. He did an open, I think, 2016, which was kind of the first integration of popular culture of Disney IP, along with another timeline of different historic moments in NFL. So there's like Star Wars and there's Indiana Jones, Jaws or like oh, Pac-Man. And then they're showing different famous points of Monday Night Football, like when Steve Gleason, um, uh, you know, when we'll get into Steve Gleason and ALS in a sec, but that poignant moment um, on the Monday Night Football when he blocked that kick after Katrina, which hits me in a lot of different places because of New Orleans, because of ALS, which we'll talk about. But um, it's such an iconic song. So it's a true honor and privilege to represent this idea. And I think it's so, I, I just think it is so cool how you guys are then, as you said, you represent it. And then that allows you to now be a part of that storytelling process, which, you know, you talk to any person that's created or really watched a documentary, as we were talking about before The Last Dance and how important the music is. It might not be the first thing you think about. But if it's it's more if it's not there, as we were talking about before, with the absence of this, if it's not there. It's weird. But if it's there and it's it's done right, it really does add to the effect. It adds to the emotion. And it gets you really in that moment even further, which I think is always very important. I think the last dance was awesome because they also had all those old school tracks that they were playing the whole time, which was fantastic. So I see you guys don't own those tracks, but you do own maybe some other ones that were played as you said you were able to be a part of it so like what i guess what types of music do you own now that i kind of think about it? like what the heck do you guys own no no so that's that's a great question so the difference between like um you know they're doing ll cool j or they're having uh you know puff daddy and mace you know that's not us right that's popular music that's label music um that's a much more complicated process and much more expensive than what we're providing. You know, we, again, it, it is background music, essentially. It's not elevated music, but it's background music. So again, it is production music, which again, traditionally would be used with clients' uh, uh, footage and, um, you know, photography, graphics, what have you. 
and is melded and synchronized together to create that final product, whatever it might be in all those mediums that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I do want to talk about those mediums in a little bit. I also have a couple other songs that I thought of uh, as we've been on this conversation that I will not quite rapid fire because I only thought of two. So I'll get to ask both of them towards the end, but I'm kind of curious how that goes. And so when you, when you and I had our conversation a couple of weeks ago, you told me in the last 18 months is really when everything not, I guess not started to click. Of course, every, a lot of people knew APM and what you guys have been doing, but those last 18 months, what you have been doing in particular within the sports space, you have found some great, great success. What, what has, what have you been doing in those last 18 months? I know you said you've been going to concerts and meeting people and pretty much created this entire division, but what happened over those last 18 months to take you from point A to point, you know, we'll call it J at this point. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I would say, it was about having a really good team. I would say it was just really engaging the marketplace and not just selling to the marketplace, but really just asking people what they want, what they wanted and what they needed and being able to provide that. So asking a lot of good questions, being a really good listener um, and continuing to reinvest in, in the marketplace and uh, building that reputation over the past 10 years and watching it come to fruition over the last, you know, five years, you know, you know, two to three to five years has been amazing. And that really to me just means that we're doing our job. If someone's happy enough that they're going to refer us to someone else and saying, you know, um, not only do we appreciate the music and the technology and the service, but um, the relationship. So I think we've been more, focused on the relationships and the partnerships than the deals. I believe if you've got a, a good relationship and a good partnership, the deal will take care of itself. And now I've got um, even uh, more people specifically to help directly support me and spread, spread that gospel out there to as many people as possible. And it's unbelievable now just say in the collegiate market where not too long ago, it looked like doomsday like uh, college programs might not be coming back or college football might not be coming back. Um, and now campuses are starting to op uh, open up and the idea of uh, training camp and college football is here, which will be very important. People said, you know, I, I appreciate the compliments, but something like, you know, what you guys are doing is essential. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm not a frontline responder, but thinking that in the absence of in stadium games, or arena games, or even the broadcast like we're talking about in the beginning, the only way that people can keep their brand uh, truly engaged is now on social media, which is pretty wild because that wasn't there, again, too long ago, but is extremely robust. Look at the draft. Look at uh, the NFL draft. Look at the schedule release. Very competitive or as competitive off the field as it is on the field and really cool to see you know how the chargers do it versus how the cowboys do it or how the giants were doing at different virtual draft parties or some that are more graphical or uh, illustration focused or more motion graphics or more photography like was on the phone with the steelers this morning and taking advantage of an empty city to go around and, and film and uh, take tons of video and uh, pictures with drones or cameras to get a lot of scenics which could be the beginning, say, uh, the Steelers make a run or mm -hmm. when they make a run, depending on your affiliation, then that could be the beginning 
of that story coming out of COVID or what have you. I mean, it's fascinating to get in the head and mind of some of these creatives and start to begin to understand of how we can support that vision. It's awesome. And I think creativity is such a fun thing because it's one of those things, the more you use it, the more you actually get, right? And, you know, you being in that spot where, you know, you have to understand what they're looking for and then you can take the information that you possess and all the all the IP that you own and say, okay, well, this if this is what you're looking to do, here's how we can help. Here's how we can help tell that story. You know, you're going to tell it and we're just going to be an asset along the way to amplify it, to help it, to make it better than it was before if you didn't have us you also have your creative brain which you've been able to obviously utilize throughout your career which i think is pretty cool and very nice of those people to say that you are essential i'll lean on you with that answer um maybe not the most essential but we appreciate what you do and we definitely think it is very important in some capacity and you know as you said you know there's the in stadium there's the broadcast but really now the only thing is social media and those schedule releases are always really really cool i do enjoy them a couple years ago is when they really got it's like they were kind of must see kind of you know wh- who's going to do what when the falcons i think did that huge game of thrones thing if i'm not mistaken and and stuff like that so how over you know the last seven eight nine years when i guess social media you know there was 1.0 when everyone you know you see the tweets all the time steph curry's like hey guys going to get chinese food tonight it's like all right steph thanks really appreciate that you know from 2007 or whatever to now what it's become how have you seen your business in particular and how have you seen your company be able to help these brands within the social and the new media space, ironically, we call it now uh, that space versus some of these more traditional opportunities in media. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. That was kind of a weird question. No, 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 no. I, I just, I think it's the evolution of fan engagement. So that's kind of a simple question where again, you know, 10 years ago, you might get a coach's show on broadcast or radio. Um, so You've, you've seen, um, you know, brand, brand and, and fan engagement change on the team level or the league level, but now we're starting to see a tremendous amount with like our work for through Players Tribune and other clients like athlete first content. I think that is, I mean, it's already huge, but it's only going to continue to grow or looking now the potential for uh, college clients to be able to start, or excuse me, colleg- collegiate athletes mm-hmm. to, be, to make money on their own IP and their own name um, and to see how that evolves. It's, it's constant, you know, and it's become a lot more strategic, but it's, it's part of an overall content strategy. And frankly, at, at one point we were just following and we were just listening and absorbing and seeing our clients, whether it was on Twitter years ago or, you know, Facebook, not as much, but then really like Instagram an amazing platform that my joke was not too long ago, whatever it was three years ago, it was like, I thought it was just for pictures of food and uh, pictures of my kids, you know, or vacations and your feet up, you know, on the beach, which is so obnoxious, but I digress. But, you know, to understand like, well, how, how does the New York Giants present themselves in a, in a, you know, with photography and graphics and stats and now, you know, Instagram live or TikTok has blown up. Um, you know, not appealing, frankly, to my demographic or maybe even yours, but all my friends' kids all over TikTok love it. And um, I think there was someone from Disney, yeah, Disney that just left to become the new president there. An evolution of that company and see what TikTok can become besides, you know, 
kids just doing, you know, uh, dances of their favorite artists and songs, you know, it, it's interesting because it's, that's like the bleeding edge where things are changing and then let alone getting into mixed reality and AR. I mean, that all remains to be seen or even, um, you know, in esports, you know, we're just starting to get started there or seeing, you know, like 2k tournaments as an extension of like our um, basketball clients. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, it's, it's a diversity of appeal in demographics where you see these millionaire and billionaire owners that might own more than one property. So maybe it's a football team or, you know, they complement the football team with a basketball team. And then there's a World of Warcraft uh, franchise in there as well. So those are three very distinct demographics or, um, you know, diversity plays, you know, in, in an overall portfolio to um, create different valuations of growth um, and diversify your spend and also protect yourself when something like this happens. And, and with that, you know, getting into some of these newer markets and these newer mediums, you know, TikTok, I do not have an account and I do not plan on getting one anytime soon. So I'm right there with you, Matt, don't worry. But with these, I mean, what new, it's, what you do is still the same, right? You're still production music that comes behind that enhances the story. But how does it change when you're entering a new sport? such as esports with World of Warcraft, with League of Legends, with Rocket League, with some of these different places. What changes when it's, you know, not that, you know, 30 second or 60 second Instagram video. Now it's, you know, a TikTok video. What is different within all these mediums and all these different sports? And how do you look at each of them as its own unique entity? Because, of course, again, they're still just trying to tell a story and you're still just trying to add and, and help that story be better. What have you found from those different places, though, that you're finding different opportunities or different ways of going about having those conversations and engaging those parties? Well, I think it's this, it's exactly what you said. It's having those conversations. So whether it's a, an emerging medium or an emerging sport or something new, like we just had a conversation to go back to one of the earlier things you said, like early on watching marble racing with my kids at night. And that was part of our routine. We actually had a conversation with them, but it was, it was amazed of something that was so homespun or done from someone's basement. And I think Holland, um, full graphics package and, 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 you know, well orchestrated music. Like it was, it was a, you know, semi-pro professional presentation of marbles. And it was highly engaging with different lap time, just like NASCAR um, it was unbelievable. But um, again, I think it just goes back to asking questions. What do you want? What do you need? How are you using the music? And also to clarify too, I'm not um, the one making all the creative decisions and saying, oh, well, you should really check this album. You should check that track. We have an uh, you know, uh, amazing industry leading entire department of music directors that all they do is help our clients save time. So we might get a request like we've been working heavily on a lot of stuff with NASCARs, NASCARs come quickly back where it's provided an opportunity for them. Maybe this is a good insight. So NASCAR, again, traditionally broadcast, you know, um, on Fox or NBC split. And you're not getting a chance to see the drivers too much or engage with the teams too much, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after, maybe a little bit over the radio during. But then when everything hit and they shut down the races, they quickly pivot to iRacing. All of a sudden, 
you're you're seeing the the drivers you're getting more in different kinds of engagement that you typically wouldn't get in exposure and insight more into that individual with that team and then um you know social media engagement look at um look at the golf match over this weekend you know unbelievable engagement so it's like i think there's there's constantly new innovations and new opportunities to present competition in whichever form that might be whether it's rocket league or whether it's uh nascar or whether it's football what have you um people want engagement in different ways and they need to figure out what that sounds like and how best to engage with that fan base they're trying to appeal to it's a pretty great answer I guess there's something up there. You're doing something right, Matt, and I, I do love it. it this is Thanks. really, really interesting. Matthew Gutnick of APM Music. Love what you're doing, man. This is fantastic. And so with um, one thing that I've been seeing a lot of recently is, as we were talking about, you, you brought it up before with the Players' Tribune and the kind of athlete-led, athlete-focused content. Now, obviously, Players' Tribune is involved. So when Players' and Tribune is involved, obviously, these media companies, they're going to get a brand involved in some opportunity. They're going to want to tell this story in the best possible light, best possible fashion. So, of course, they have to bring someone like you in to say, hey, how can we do this a little bit better? You and your team there. I hope you're happy. I'll give them a little bit of credit, too. But what, um, what have you seen in that front and what have you seen, you know, with the engagement of brands and athletes and, and helping them create these different storytelling vehicles and opportunities? How much have you seen that increase over the last couple of years in particular with, you know, the uh, Players' Tribune, LeBron James's um, Uninterrupted, if I'm not mistaken? I know an, uh, I have a friend of mine who runs Unguarded, which is a small company that works with um uh, basketball high schoolers that are getting into college and helping them expand their brand. So I know they actually work shout out on, uh, unguarded, uh, had saw on my show a couple, a uh, couple episodes back, but check that one out. Anyone out there listening, but they work with up and coming musicians as well. And so the, the, the record label will pay them money to play it on the video. So that way then they get that extra hit. So that's kind of how they drive revenue to their business as well, which is, was really interesting when I heard it. So how have you seen the athlete focused content and how have you seen, again, just it being different? And I know it's probably gonna be the exact same answer. Well, we're gonna ask them questions on what they want and how they, how they see it. But if you have any specific examples, I think it would be really cool to understand how that might be a little different than you know your broadcast team or, or as you said, with your NASCAR races and what they're trying to accomplish there. Well, I mean, it kind of, we started getting into that, I think it was probably about three or four years ago. We started doing some work with um, Uninterrupted. I think it was a Calias Campbell video where he was becoming a free agent. And he was becoming a free agent. I believe at that time he was on the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, they showed the behind the scenes, basically him and his boys and his agent in Arizona um, negotiating. I think it came down to the Rams in Jacksonville at that time. It was fascinating and only through the resources and the support that, that that these different entities which again are just starting there's influencer out there there's there's tons of different ones that are trying to figure out how to best support eventually so you know an athlete is you know pulls out his phone and is able to um you know directly engage and monetize you know his own his own entity in that way um but I think the story goes with Players' Tribune is that, you know, Jeter wanted to 
I think make his retirement uh, mm-hmm. announcement and do it on his terms and tell his story. Um, and had a little bit of money lying around before he moved on to, uh, you know, the Marlins and um, wanted to do that. Um, you know, I don't have all the answers there, but I think, I think it's going to only continue to grow and go to explode or seeing then from only my own personal consumption and professional standpoint to see LeBron then do a deal with HBO for the barbershop. I mean, extremely casual, relatively easy shoot in a super casual environment where they're basically just, you know, bullshitting and hanging out like they would in a normal barbershop and then figuring out with Maverick and him to who put in there to engage in interesting conversation, whether it's throwing Jimmy Kimmel in the mix or, you know, whoever it's, I, I love the unfiltered, unadulterated access. And I think that even pro and college teams have challenges with that. I think um, any organization wants to protect themselves and protect their brand in a particular way. And, but then you can see someone like Clemson completely change the game in terms of what Dabo did and access and like Deshaun, like use social, social media as a recruiting tool where, you know, how do you get to that middle school, high school kid? Well, you get to them through your phones and you do that through social media and, having uh, Dabo, you know, dance in the locker room, you know, totally change of how it was being used. And now, I mean, even last year, the time there was a lot of accounts getting shut down because of illegally using popular music to recruit kids on National Signing Day or what have you. So it's, it's interesting because I've had, we had a lot of discussions last year where people were, maybe there was the football side or there was the marketing side or there was the communications or the, you know, athletics video department, but they might have not even even been in the same room talking about how they're doing or what they're doing and how it all works together. But then all of a sudden a Twitter account gets shut down and you can't engage with the donors. You can't engage with, uh, you know, prospects, you can't engage with your fans, you can't engage with anyone. And then all of a sudden um, I'm in this unnamed now clients uh, stadium and someone from the football side says, yeah, we're not having this conversation unless the repercussions, you know, the, the Twitter account gets shut down and it really split my head open and understanding, you know, like this isn't just about someone tweeting. It has nothing to do with that anymore. This is, this is a vehicle. This is a tool to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. That's what, you know, again, fast forward now to this point of the year when I was talking to that big 10 client and saying, you know, you're, you're essential. And I'm like, you know, again, I appreciate that, but it's, it's interesting to think of how powerful um, that medium can be now in complement with all the different platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. You know, as you said, where are the young kids? They're on their phones even more. I'm, I'm assuming Dabo's TikTok is already blown up as well. I, I have no idea, but I have to go with that assumption. And it's really important for people to understand that what you do and how you do it is a huge asset and how it's able to bring more viewers in. It brings 
more eyeballs in and it brings more people to engage. It's not just seeing it. It's, it's actually feeling that emotion and music as we've been talking about is something that really makes you feel something. Uh, you know, you can close your eyes and feel something as we were talking about. And I think that part's very important. And I think it's really interesting. You know, I love the athlete led content. Some of it's great. Some of it is, you know, you could tell an athlete wrote it, I guess, I guess is a good way to say it, but it is really interesting seeing how some of these things go. And I'm really, really hoping that unnamed big 10 client is Rutgers because that would be pretty cool. You don't have to shake your head uh, um, you, didn't, you didn't shake your head not, so. it was not Rutgers but we all working with Rutgers let's go hopefully I th- we actually have a recruiting class this year so I think it's pretty cool we'll it see what is, happens it is a very good recruiting class and um you know that's that's another think about that story on the basketball side you know it was getting ready my my wife's an alum my brother-in-law was a captain across there we're getting ready to head down to the rack with the greatest regular season in what 30 or ever or you know pretty much ever and uh think about that they don't get a chance to even go to the big 10 tournament or maybe they went to indianapolis but didn't get a chance to play and then um no march madness you know it's it's unfortunate but again like you know did you how many games did you watch this season to you know, follow that, you know, catch that wave and follow that wave and stay engaged and show up. I mean, even trying to get a press credential or, you know, through, you know, hitting up my client for tickets, they're like, we've never seen anything like this. And that's so exciting because you don't know when that's going to happen again. So it's like catching lightning in a bottle in that one particular moment and watching, you know, are you hoops, right? It, you know, into a conference tournament and then into March Madness. Hopefully it happens next year, but you know, you don't know, but there's a story to tell there. And I'm sure you guys are going to do a darn good job at explaining and, and, and having that laid out at the start of next season. And and for all those recruits that are coming in this year, and it would have been cool, man. I was excited. We were all excited. You know, all us Rutgers alums, I, all my best friends, we all lived in a house together there. So we were all kind of talking about it throughout the season. And of course, just my luck. It uh, gets cut, cut a little short. We don't even get to see that bracket come out. So it was unfortunate. And so, um, just a couple more things I'd like to talk about here. Uh, so one thing you brought up before with APM music, I still haven't said amp, so I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, I've been doing a good job this whole time with APM music. You have, as you said, Sony EMI and universal as two co-owners or, or some capacity. How the heck does that relationship work with these two companies that are very clearly competitors with each other, having a stake in what you guys do and, and how, I mean, how does that relationship work again? You don't have to go too, too deep into that, but that's just a very interesting kind of, you know, footnote that's in the story of, oh, hey, by the way, um, you know, that, that could get pretty bloody, but it sounds like you guys have been doing a good job. So everyone's pretty happy about it. So, so far. the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. All right. Next topic. Um, so, um, Interesting to say the least, though. Thank you, thank you for going deep onto that subject. So I did say I have two, two more, two more, uh, two songs that I'm curious about. One, uh, Law and Order. Do you guys own that one? No, no, that was not ours. I don't believe so. I could double check. Okay, interesting. And then uh, the SEC on CBS. SEC's moving to ESPN, and I want to know if it's that song is going with it because there's something about that song on a 12 o'clock on a Saturday at 12 that just does something for me. So, so that's that's actually that's a that's an interesting category, but that would be original score, where say you would actually hire a composer. So it's not a popular music track, you know. Um, 
you know, it's not uh, LL Cool J or Puffy or what have you. It's not one of our songs that's readily available, say, over the counter um, uh, to go. And you would actually hire someone, a composer, to write something original. We've been lucky enough that we've done a lot of cool stuff like that. Like the past couple seasons, I've had the pleasure to work with um, Diane and Sean and the whole team at the Pistons where they're getting ready to come out on the court and we wrote something unique for them um, that no one else has. Or um, the story will come out hopefully sooner than later with our new friends at Marquee, AKA the Cubs Regional Sports Network in Chicago, where they were taking all the history of the Cubs for over a hundred years. They're looking to bottle that and, you know, all the different music movements in Chicago, house, blues, hip hop, all this great stuff, and then appeal moving forward and, and be able to cater to that very diverse, long audience. So we, we put together this amazing theme package with that for them that will get the visibility it deserves. I mean, it's ongoing now, launched in back in uh, February, but we were, I think, about three weeks from opening day and getting ready to release that story and it's ready to go. But that was an amazing fun project. But point being is um, that would be an original score. That would be a composer, which we do do as well, um, where someone writes something specific for that project, for that property. Man, I'm going to miss that song then. It doesn't sound like it's going to be going with the SEC to ESPN. Probably not. Well, at least we have YouTube, I guess. Um, so those are my two questions on songs. And then the last couple of topics, obviously, we've brought both of them up a little bit. So I just want you know, touch as, uh, you know, touch upon each of them as you want. The Sports Creative Slack Group something that you've been able to be a part of and you've been able to help people and, and get help from people within that group. I mean, pretty much everyone out there, I'm assuming at this point knows what Slack is. If not quick Google search, don't download it. I'm not a Slack is Slack is what it is, but how this, this creative group that you've been able to help build and curate over time, what have you seen and how have you seen it be able to build and, and really be able to contribute and add value and, and help others just through this really interesting internet community? So so, you know, credit where credit's due, it's, it's not our channel, it's, mm-hmm. it's a community. And again, just like Twitter or um, Instagram, it was a listening tool. Still very much as a listening tool, but it is unbelievable to what's happened over the, the last 18 months there, uh, almost two years, where, um, again, um, trying to create visibility and giving the credit where credit's due for all these creatives in the sports industry whether that's on the production side, whether it's on the graphic side, you know, a very diverse group of extremely talented people where um, they were just looking for a place maybe originally to, um, to gather, to share best practices, to bitch, to complain, to look for jobs, for, for everything. So it, um, it was there. And then there were different uh, meetups, which might've just started at a bar in Oakland at one point, And then, um, you know, I think, um, you know, we went from just as a listening tool to becoming more involved to picking up one of those bar tabs and helping host a party in Atlanta, I think was the first big one we did, you know, this week last year or um, in L.A. And um, again, just listening, you know, uh, hey, where are you from? You know, what are you guys using for music? What are you guys doing? And going from there. But now there's over 4,000, 41, 42, 4,300 people on it. And that was something that really 
opened up me to the power of that when a lot of people were shut down, um, people weren't producing, some people might have even been furloughed or were about to be furloughed. And I was on a happy hour on a Friday night, the second or third weekend. There was over 400 people on a Zoom happy hour, you know, just hanging out on a Friday night. Whether you had kids or were younger or whatever, it was really interesting. But it was so cool and important to be able to have a place to go, someone to talk to, to bounce ideas off of, but to connect everyone. And that's, again, what I really love about this. One of the many things I love about this is just to be part of this community. And that's, again, a, a privilege and a responsibility. And, um, you know, big shout out to the sports lab community and um we've got information on our website or on our social media channels if people are interested it's um it's been fantastic it's been great that's, that is awesome i'm a, a part of a couple slack communities like that and it, it is so cool just to kind of see and hear and see you know who's engaging a lot those are the people i want to connect with you know who kind of just pops in and out every once in a while it's not a bad thing you know it just is you know it's you know, however you work it into your schedule. So it's always very interesting to me to see the people in there, what they're doing. It kind of gives me that motivation and that inspiration from time to time to see, oh, this person's doing that. Okay. All right. That's a cool idea. Maybe I'll put my own spin on it, my own twist on it and see what we come up with. So I think it is a lot of fun. And then the last thing I do want to talk about, and thank you for your time. I know we're not quite at an hour yet, but I know we're a couple minutes over three. So I hope, um, you're, you're not missing any phone calls or anything. The last thing I do want to talk about is the ALS uh, Association, your contributions to it. As you said, your mother uh, did pass away from ALS, and it's something that you really do take uh, a, a huge hand in and a huge part in. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit about what you do and how you're helping that community as well, um, we'd love to, to hear a little bit about that. So hopefully I don't end this call crying hysterically, Michael, but I appreciate you bringing that up. So yeah, uh, rest in peace, Angela, my mother huge inspiration part of my life. And it was interesting because that was, you know, that was a big wound. That was a big scar that lasted a long time. And then something my sister and I did, I think it was about eight years ago, nine years ago, there's a ALS society, greater uh, chapter of New York. And they did something as simple as a walk down uh, Asbury park um, right there, you know, right along the pier. And some years it's been better than others. Some years, you know, May, you know, is uh, actually, you know, ALS awareness month. And, uh, you know, it's fundraising, sending emails, putting posts on Facebook and watching also how that can be used as a tool. It was interesting. And then um, getting down there, doing a nice little walk with um, with my wife's family and my sister and friends. And it's been fantastic. And it's just simply creating awareness, um, support for those that have the disease, support for caregivers and just creating awareness. So maybe some of my experience and some of what I've gone through and my sister have gone through can be there to help someone else and help other families, which is kind of funny because I've had conversations with people that I've grown up with that now affected them later on in their life or families or people that they know. And again, if some of my experience can be there to help someone else, then, then there was a reason for it. Absolutely. And that's why I have people like you on the show, right? I want you to share your experiences, your insight, your wisdom, so others can utilize it, whether that's through what you're doing with your family and your friends or the, the ALS community that you do help, which will I'm sure we'll get the link to for people to donate. We could throw that in the show notes. That's not a problem. That's very easy, as well as you know what you've done in your career. And that it's been a pretty extensive conversation we've had here. Um, some answers longer than others, some answers shorter than others, of course, but you know, it is what it is. And I absolutely had a fantastic time. So Matthew Gutnick, Senior Director of Sports Entertainment and APM Music. Really appreciate your time today, man. 
Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, keep in touch. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports with Matthew Kutnick. As I said, just an absolute blast getting to learn and understand of how he did it, what he did, and, and the ways he's been able to, for lack of a better term, manipulate his life so that he really, really enjoys the hell out of it. So make sure to please follow Matthew and APM Music on all of the socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Make sure to follow me on a couple of mine. Those will be in the show notes as well. And please also make sure to give the show a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Apple Apple, wherever it is, we would sincerely appreciate it. Those are the most important, though. And uh, um, yeah, so without further ado, no, not without further ado. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.